Now, podcasting to Ottawa Senator fans around the world. Around the world. It's the Sins Nation Podcast. From praising Alfie to Brady Kachuk and everything in between. If it matters to Sins fans, we're talking about it right here. And now, here's Steve Warren. All right, welcome to another episode of the Sens Nation podcast. And we're recording tonight moments after a 6-3 victory for the Sens in Montreal. Here's a rare road win for you. That's number five on the year. The Sens now 4-1-3 in their last eight games. Certainly lots of news over the last week since we last got together. And uh, hey, welcome to the show. We hope you enjoy it. It is Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? Things are great, Steve. We, we I've moved into town. I have world-class internet now, and I think we sound real good this week, especially compared to last week. Yeah, at least technically. Who knows what the next <laughs> 60 minutes might hold yeah. in terms of how the quality of the show beyond that. But yeah, it's nice to have you off your cell phone this week. And uh, certainly, we just moments ago watched the Sens come up with a pretty tidy victory in Montreal. And boy, those two clubs really, well, they've been slugging it out all year, despite the Sens' tough season. Ottawa's 4-3 and three against Montreal, and uh, in the two games that have occurred since we last met, uh, it was the Habs winning 4-1, and that was a one-sided deal, and Sens come out and play pretty well tonight in a 6-3 victory. These two teams seem pretty well matched, don't they? Uh, yeah, and, and that's the funny thing. Uh, you and I have talked about this, but here we'll share it tonight, that against Toronto, Montreal, and Calgary, the Senators are now 12-8-0 for about a 6-10 or so winning percentage. But right. against those uh, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, 1-13-3, which is well below a 200 win percentage. So it's 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 interesting that uh, they match up well against uh, Toronto, Montreal, and Calgary. Uh, probably has to do with the strength down the middle. Uh, being much deeper with Winnipeg and with Edmonton. And I think the Vancouver record has more to do with the time of the year that they played them. Uh, since they've become the team that they are now, uh, they've done very well. And I don't think it would matter who they played against now. You're going to get a good, strong, competitive game out of them. We were just talking in the last episode about Yevgeny Dadnov. I think I put the question to you, something along the lines of, is it time to make some decisions on him, drop him in you know, in the lineup or take him off the power play. Well, they did put him down on the fourth line with Artem Anisimov, who's been, I think he was injured for a while, and then he was a healthy scratch for a while, but he gets back in the lineup. And they play with Alex Formanton. And don't they go out and put six points up with Anisimov with three, Dadnov with a couple of goals? I mean, that was crucial, though. I mean, for a guy like that that's being paid what he is for the next three years, I mean, that was music to Pierre Dorian's ears to uh, see and hear that uh, he was able to kind of get off the schneid and get it going a little bit. Yeah, I think obviously that must be the Artie Anisimov that uh, the coach DJ Smith saw in training camp that that earned him a spot high up in the lineup to open the season. He played very well tonight. I think as, as much as we both like Austin Watson and what he has brought, I think the difference uh, of having Formanton in his spot that makes a big difference. And then you put skill guys, like high-end skill guys, even though you may be slow, arty, and a high-end skill guy 
like uh, like Dadenoff, you've got a, a pretty good line there. And, and really, they probably weren't the fourth line uh, minute-wise. They were all about the same. If you take out Connor Brown's uh, probably six minutes worth of PK, they all those guys down there, third and fourth line, all played around 10, 11, 12 minutes. Uh, Ryan Dezingle being the lowest, actually. So maybe that Dezingle, Bishop, and oh, Connor Brown. Now that line there, is that really your third line? Was was Artie and Dadenoff uh, your your fourth line with Formanton? I think the two of them were, were pretty much the same. Your bottom six all played between between 10 and 12 minutes of five-on-five of five ice time tonight, and it makes a big difference. I thought Alex Formanton and the speed that he brings – I mean, he was on the four check. You look at that last goal. I think it was an Isimov's goal. Uh, that was just all Formanton's four check. Just taking away the time and space. You know, just the defenseman's going back to retrieve, and all of a sudden, Formanton's on his heels. So even though he doesn't, you know, get necessarily, um, you know, take the puck away from anybody or deliver a big hit, he takes away that time and space, and it results in a turnover. And moments later the Sens are putting the puck in the net. And uh, you always love, from a coaching perspective, your F1 to have that roadrunner level speed, right? Yeah, and a, and a great dump by Dadnoff, the, the, the alley-oop, the EFIS pitch, whatever you want to call it, the high lob dump, um, allows Formanton to get in there. And we talk about having sticks in passing lanes and getting there as quick as you can and all that, but really it comes down to you want to influence that defenseman. So the route you take to him where you position your stick, uh, the angle you take, all of that stuff is influencing a guy. Well, Formanton speed certainly influences lots of people and causes people to make decisions quicker than they're ready to. Yeah, you mentioned Connor Brown. How much fun is that guy on the penalty kill? Like, there are guys around the league where I admire them for how good they are on the penalty kill. I actually look forward to watching Connor Brown on the penalty kill. Usually it's like dread. Oh, my God, it's a power play situation for the other team. And I hope they can kill this off. Well, I always kind of look forward to what's Connor Brown going to do this time? Because, I mean, you you measure what he does when the Sens are shorthanded as far as offensive chances. Like, he's way better there. He, he generates way more offensive chances for himself there than he does five on five, I think. Oh, for sure. It, it, it's the combination of the speed that he brings, but also a, a high hockey IQ. The man has some hockey sense knows where to go, can execute the forecheck the way they want it done, can jump on loose pucks. Again, he's an influencer on the forecheck. And a, and a beautiful goal tonight with Nick Paul. Uh, it's 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 sort of an old rule. Um, odd man rush like a two-on-one when you're shorthanded. Puck carrier, just take a shot. That way there's, there's less confusion. There's less guessing by the non-puck carrier. There's less of a, both guys getting caught because they're dangling back and forth and something. And it was a perfect play by, by Nick Paul. He, he, it's the pad pass, right? It's the, takes two shots to score a goal. That rebound is good as any pass that he could have made. He wasn't trying to score. He fired it right into the pads and Connor Brown driving the net with his speed scores a goal. Uh, it, it's, it's nice to see well executed on the PK and, and Connor Brown is one of the better ones in the league. Yeah, and he almost returned the favor to Nick Paul in the third period and uh, two-on-one, got it over to Paul, and uh, Paul just, oh, he almost had Carey Price beaten. Price just got his heel on it or something. But, uh, yeah, those two are just magic right now on the penalty kill, not only really effective in D-zone coverage, but also creating 
a number of chances, it seems, every single night. Probably the play that, or the situation that everybody was talking about in the Sens-Montreal game on Saturday night was Brady Kachuk getting in a fight. Not that that's a, a huge deal, but getting in a fight with a real true heavyweight in the NHL. Shea Weber doesn't drop him every night, and there's a reason for that. His reputation precedes him. He is a big, tough, veteran hombre. Well, they got into it a little, uh, a little bit of cross-checking in front of the Montreal net, and Kachuk got up. They got into a bear hug, and they decided, okay, we're going to go. And I thought Kachuk, he did a pretty good job in that fight. Like, he... he <laughs> Got a good account of himself, but I will say this. I was really nervous for the kid throughout the entire fight. What did you think of it? Yeah, you know, fighting's nowhere near what it used to be. And and watching guys chuck knuckles at, at plastic, hard plastic helmets, just I'm not so much worried about somebody catching one square in the in the bugle and getting knocked out or like that anymore. It's more about what kind of damage gets caused to hands. And when you're fighting a guy who's bigger and stronger than you, um, you tend to just start throwing them in whales, just wailing on a guy and hoping one lands. And that's when you end up, you know, knocking one off his, off his helmet and breaking a knuckle or something. And I was kind of surprised to see it happen, but then I wasn't surprised. Does that make any sense? Um, yeah, uh, it does. Uh, I do think though, that they're still in a fight with a guy like Shea Weber. You never know when you kind of get lucky. And that thing, it was a couple of big, big, powerful misses by Shea Weber that hits on the button man that could do some damage because and it still can you know you think back there have been you go to Nick Kiprios and that awful awful one years and years ago where he basically face planted there was a kid with Ottawa David Jerzinski he also I think it was against McLaren with the Leafs Fraser McLaren does that sound right anyway right on the button and Jerzinski does the face plant as well. And you think about Karkner, if you also want to talk about yep. Ottawa Senator fights, that was the very last fight Derek Bugard ever had. And if you saw the absolute flush punch that Karkner caught Bugard with, so I agree with you. More often than not, 99 times out of 100, in fact, it's it's knuckle on plastic. But every once in a while, especially when you get the big boys going, uh, somebody can really, really get tagged. So I was... Just just because one was so veteran and one is so new to the NHL, even though he's a tough kid, I still had my concerns about him. And a good trade-off, though. Like yeah. a real good trade-off to get to, to take uh, Shea Weber off the ice for five minutes. Uh, yeah, Brady Kachuk's your leading scorer, but uh, from the from a senator standpoint, they lose their, their arguably their best defenseman. That's a pretty good trade-off. Yeah. And DJ Smith addressed that. The media after the game was wondering, you know, you really want the kid fighting? He's one of your most effective players out there. You want him sitting up for five minutes? And, uh, well, DJ Smith had no issue with that fight, primarily for the reason you just mentioned. That means something to our team when it's, when it's uh, you know, a leader against the leader. And, um, you know, and he's not going to be pushed around. I don't think Brady's ever going to be pushed around. But, um, you know, those are fights that just happen. We certainly don't want stage fights for him. Uh, but sometimes it's going to happen. They're both physical guys, and it just happened. So there's DJ Smith, Suns head coach, in conversation with the media. So uh, back to Kachuk. Yeah. He has the fight. He got a very early goal. Here's that goal, by the way. It's kind of fun because it's it's on the power play, and it's really vintage Brady Kachuk. Basically, down low in front of the net and just crams one home and listen to the celebration. Listen to the, you could hear it throughout the entire building. You heard it on the TV uh, 
a massive woo. Here's Brady Kachuk's goal to open the scoring tonight. Get them going. Here's Batherson. Mama Shabbat at the top along with Drake Batherson. Down low it goes. Kachuk scores. Brady Kachuk with an early power play goal. And they do get in to that paint and get the kickstarter tonight. You got to love a good woo after a goal <laughs> like that. Uh, Brady Kachuk, very close to the Gordie Howe hat trick. And, uh, and that's just, I got to thinking about if you're Mark Bergevin, every time you take on Kachuk and the Senators, the Kotkaniemi thing and, and this, the decision to draft him third overall, that's got to enter your mind a couple of times a night, you know, especially a night like that. He gets the goal. He, he fights a guy like Shea Weber. What's he going to look like in three years? Mark Bergevin with his terrible hair from the 1980s, by the <laughs> way. Uh, he must be watching that game tonight going, oh, I made a mistake. Well, I, I don't know. It, it's probably still too early because when cut can, when cut can, uh, can yemi, can yemi is on his game, uh, which I mean, he's an offensive guy. He's a, he's a skill player. They are really almost exact polar opposites. So depending on the type of game that you're playing uh, and the opposition you're playing it against, uh, they're each going to have nights where they shine. Uh, their, their skill sets will come out. In a on, a on a grinded out four line four checking team, Brady Kachuk looks real good, right? If yeah. you're playing an up tempo, uh, speed uh, possession game, then Kotkaniemi would look better in that type of setting. And tonight they they didn't really do much of anything, so I don't know. He didn't look good at all tonight. I didn't think. I got to say that Pierre Dorian takes a lot of flack. I mean, I, I second guess some of the things he does. In fact, I'll later on in the show do that very thing. But, I mean, he does a lot of good things as well. And remember how many people were mad at him for drafting Philip Zadina that year? Or for not drafting Philip Zadina, I should say, Uh, because he's there. And everybody's thinking, okay, Zadina. Well, look at Zadina. I mean, what he did uh, in Halifax, 44 goals, 82 points. And Brady Kachuk only had seven goals. So er, there was a lot of Sens fans who were going, okay, that's a joke. You got to take Zadina. I didn't feel that way. I was I was all about Kachuk, uh, but I mean, you got to give the guy credit because I mean, Sedina and and like you just talked about, obviously you have to wait. You don't know how these guys are going to pan out. Is that five six year rule where you got to make sure that uh, they've had their chance to develop? Everybody develops differently. I get all that, but here's Philip Sedina who's still struggling to become a full time NHL. I think he's there this year as a full timer. He's got fourteen points. Four goals, 32 games played. Certainly not anything close to an offensive dynamo just yet. And, uh, but I, you know, I think that you redraft today, it's a no brainer. In fact, you might even think about Kachuk at number one overall. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree with you on that assessment. I've never been a fan of, uh, of uh, Rasmus uh, Dallin there. He, he, it was he who went first, right? The Buffalo yeah, Swedish and then Svechnikov. Yeah, I, now, now, okay, you can make an argument that Svechnikov uh, would probably still go ahead of Kachuk, uh, but um, Rasmus Dallin, maybe it's because he's in Buffalo that probably factors into it. Uh, I don't know that he would have been a good fit here. Uh, you know, another yet another young defenseman coming in here. It, Kachuk, it, it sort of worked out for them in a way that they dropped to where they dropped. Of course, later in the draft was Quinn Hughes. That that might have been a bit of a miss. Right. Quinn Hughes would be in the discussion too. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and is that the year that New Jersey took uh, Ty Smith, who I, I, I think is going to be a hollow player at some point as well? Uh, that was Ty Smith at 17 by the Devils. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think he, he, he's still... Uh, He's still got time to, to turn into something, too. It was a good night for the Russians, I thought, because uh, we mentioned Anisimov and Dadnov. They combined for five points, the two of them. And then Artem Zub... I thought that was his most physical game as an NHLer, like to the point where I didn't, I didn't, when I, if, if you asked me this morning to talk about Zub as a player, I would say a lot of good things. Some nice balance, uh, moves the puck well, uh, always seems to be in the right place for the most part, makes some glitches, has some glitches here and there. But I, I, I never really regarded him as particularly physical. He had like about three moments tonight where I was like, wow. That's a and and the best one was the hit on Josh Anderson, who's no shrinking violet. That's a load, and he caught Anderson coming over the Sands blue line and dropped him like a sack of potatoes. I mean, if Zub has got a physical dimension to his game, that's something for Sands Nation to be pretty excited about. Oh yeah, like you might not know it, but he's he's over six foot. I'm I'm sure he's six two at least. He, he's two hundred pounds. I mean, he, and the other thing is he's not young. He's he's 25 years old. The kid's been playing pro for a while at, at St. Petersburg, I think, in a KHL. I mean, here here's a guy who's who's a, an established pro, um, and and yeah, it, well uh, rounded, uh, both sides of the puck uh, brings a brings a dimension that uh, uh, what's what's the word uh, solidifies things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, been stabilizes really nice, stabilized. There you go. Been a nice, really nice pickup. A, a good signing. That's it's it's nine hundred grand. He's playing for the for the minimum, right? But um, been been a nice signing. I'm, uh, hey, you can't complain about him. Yeah, no, I just uh, I, you know, I, I'm fully aware of everything you just talked about. But what I haven't seen is yeah, actually taking that bigger frame and and throwing your body around and uh, and that comes with. I mean, even if you're 25, you're still getting your feet wet. You're still 29 games into your NHL career. And you weren't real well regarded by the team out of the gate, you know. They just—it's one of the many mystifying assessments about certain <laughs> yeah. players. They've done a lot of good things, but there've been certain players like Wolanin or Balsers, who we'll talk about in a moment, and, and Zub. When you watch the way he's playing this season, it's just mystifying to me that you didn't think he should be in your top six. He started the year well out of the lineup. I'm not sure if he was on the taxi squad. I think he was taxi squad, but certainly not in the top six. He was behind Josh Brown for crying out loud, and uh, and behind Good Branson, just he clearly is better than those two defensemen. And but having said that, Good Branson and uh, Coburn played very well tonight. I would agree. You know, Good Branson basically was a healthy scratch the last couple of games, and uh, DJ Smith was asked about that from Gordy Gordy Wilson. He said, "What do you need out of uh, out of Good Branson moving forward?" And uh, talked about being tough in front of the net, being physical out there, doing his thing. And, you know, he basically answered the bell. He did exactly what Eric Goodbranson has to do to be an effective NHL player tonight. Yeah, I mean, you get 20 solid minutes out of him a night. I, I, he, he and Riley should probably play about the same amount of ice because Riley gets a little bit of power play time and Goody gets a little bit of PK time. Um, they should probably each be playing about 
20 minutes a night. Um, the, the, the thing is that Zoob is, is less than that, and I'd kind of like to see that number rise. And actually, now that we've dipped into time on ice, yes. wasn't it interesting to see Thomas Shabbat under 24 minutes tonight um, and, and effective? Sometimes I think that the media is making decisions for this team sometimes <laughs> or, or social media because everybody has been clamoring for that all year. And, uh, well, I thought Shabbat looked, you know, he didn't make any glaring errors. I didn't think, I didn't see any. Uh, he looked like the normal Thomas Shabbat. And I don't know that when you told me that the number was what it was and then seeing the kind of game he had, a real bounce back game, because the last couple of games, let's be honest, He's made some really glaring errors. Yeah. You go back, uh, you know, a couple of games ago, that bizarre pass against the Leafs in the three on three. What are you doing? And there was a couple other moments. Same thing in the 4 1 loss to Montreal. There was a couple of what are you doing moments. And tonight, none. And then you look at the time on ice and you say, huh, maybe there's something to that. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a connection there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> anyway, that's, uh, that's a good catch on the time on ice because, uh, I really think that that's, that needs to be the norm. You can sometimes play 30, 31, 32 minutes. You can. doesn't mean you should. It doesn't mean it's going to go well for you consistently with those numbers. It might happen. You might go on a good three-game run where you're north of 30 minutes. But I think over the long haul, which is what Thomas Shabbat is in for with an eight-year contract worth $8 million a year, you're in for the long haul, and you want that guy to be at his best. And uh, we've already seen that act with Eric Carlson. That guy played so much, and that may be part of the part of the reason he ended up, you know, ending up getting injured. I mean, it might have been Matt Cook, it might have been excessive ice time, might have been a combination of everything above. But uh, you know, and especially in a season that doesn't mean anything anymore, what do you put? What do you put in one of your franchise cornerstones out there for a thousand minutes a night? Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens next game. I think part of it uh, tonight was probably affected by by power play time. Uh, I mean, let's face it, the Sens only had two power plays. So so he wouldn't be playing uh, a whole whack of, of uh, power play time. So that probably factors into it. Uh, only what, I'm just checking here. Only played a minute six of power play tonight uh, in his 23 minutes and 54 seconds. Played not a single shift of uh, PK, which is interesting. I think that's because when you've got Coburn and Goodbranson in the lineup, they kill penalties. Nikita Zaitsev kills penalties. So you didn't need to use Shabbat in those PK situations. Yeah, I don't think he I don't, I don't think he plays too much PK anyway. Normally, yeah. Yeah. Um, one last thing, and uh, we are in the midst of a pandemic, and I couldn't help but notice in a bit of levity, as we before we move on to some other Senator issues, just dealing in the most recent Sens game, a 6-3 win over Montreal. We're in a pandemic, and I watched DJ Smith behind the bench, and it's been this way all year. <laughs> yeah. his, terrible, his terrible mask wearing, he and Jack Capuano are barely wearing it. They're taking it off all the time to yell at everybody. <laughs> and tonight, I thought DJ Smith took it to another level, another gross level. And that <laughs> he took, they show him on the camera when they come back from commercial, and he's in there fishing around for his gum. And he pulls it out and he throws it up into the empty stands over the glass. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we're in the midst of a pandemic, dude. Like, and someone's got to pick that up. It's going to make a mess. And what are you doing? And then I'm seeing Thomas Shabbat spitting like my summertime sprinkler on my lawn. I don't know. It's just, it's a lot of stuff happening on the ice. I know it's, 
it's fairly isolated and everything, but it is a pandemic and spitting and gum throwing and bad mask wearing. It was kind of driving me crazy when I'm seeing the entire city of Ottawa in this shutdown mode right now. Now that game was in Montreal, I should say, but Quebec's having a hard time too. Well, and it was uh, interesting in one of the uh, tidbits there in the second intermission from uh, Elliot Friedman, the NHL and the PA both issuing uh, statements or memos to their players uh, about mask wearing being uh, being a problem. So, you know, uh, it's it's causing problems in Vancouver with the Canucks. So wear your damn mask for crying out loud. All the rest of us have to. Yeah, well, it's just Montreal just missed, what, nine days, something yeah. like that. You know, and, and now you're in their building doing your bad mask wearing and your gum throwing and your spitting. <laughs> it just seem and yeah, the Canucks are a great example. Like uh it's a bad situation for the Canucks right now. It's really bad. And uh by the way, there's all kinds of switching around with the schedule. Suddenly we thought we had the Sens had Monday off, but now they've uh they've moved things around so we have a Sens Jets game coming up on, on Monday of this week as an FYI. Uh, you mentioned uh, the intermission, though, before we move on to other things. I thought it was, it's interesting the way in the post-Don Cherry world on CBC and Sportsnet on Saturday night, how it's everybody's trying to find their way. And I think Kevin Bieksa is fantastic. Phenomenal. And, and he's got a great sense of humor as well. And not only is he giving you the goods hockey-wise, but he's he's coming up with jokes. So he's he talking at one point, and I don't know if you saw this, where he's talking about how, you know, you're a ninja out there and you're, you know, <laughs> yeah. talking about the Kachuk and, and Shea Weber fight. And Ron McClain is like ignoring it. He's like, not, he's not laughing or anything like that. Some levity thrown in there. It, it's just, and he just kept going back to a hockey issue. It's like, how about a chuckle? How about something? Anyway, I thought Bieksa, he's fantastic. And uh, it, it's, I don't know, it felt all disjointed to me tonight. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see him in a live uh, setting instead of on the, on the remote from wherever he is. I love looking to see what picture he's got in behind him on this week's uh, show. Um, he, he chirps Elliot all the time about this clothing selections, uh, but also brings it like good information, good insight, uh, recent former player type stuff that that's really good. And, and, and it's the broadcast is, is I think it's better Although I have to say, at one point when they went into the uh, the Bobby Schmatz passing away, I looked over and there was that goal that was from the intro of Coach's Corner, and for a second I had to do a double take. Did you catch that one? I did not. Oh yeah, they did a montage of Bobby Schmatz goals and plays, and one of them, of course, is the goal that he scored that that showed that used to show in the intro to Coach's Corner. And it just uh, I was looking away and then I looked back and there it was. I went, what the? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Then I figured out what was going on. (laughs) Isn't it interesting? Bobby Schmatz. Like, I haven't thought of that guy in 30 years. Yeah. Fortunately, he passed away this week. And then, uh, but his name came up like recently, two, three weeks ago when we first learned when, uh, I think we learned it in an interview that Joey Decord gave after his first victory in the NHL. He just casually mentioned uh, Schmatzy. Yeah. And everybody's like, Schmatzy? Who on the Senators is Schmatzy? And turns out it's Drake Batherson, who I guess self-anointed himself schmatzy. <laughs> yeah, self gloss Yeah, he just at some point saw, saw some sort of uh, documentary on the Bruins back in the day and liked the name that Bobby Schmatz had, liked his surname. So he asked all his buddies to call him Schmatzy moving forward. And I guess it's now <laughs> moved into the NHL as well. There you are. 
So yeah. they got a schmatzy because because it because everybody in the NHL's standard nickname just add an I E or a Y or an S or an E R and you're done. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice absolutely. to have somebody with a name that's not one of those. And and how did you get? For those who follow you on Twitter, how did you get Coach <laughs> Neg again? N E G Coach Neg. Many 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 years ago. Uh, playing as a very young player on the team, there were three of us in our first year. We were the, we were like basically the fourth line. And anytime we went on the ice, the other team scored, so they just started calling us the Negs. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's strictly a, it's a plus minus uh, reference, Steve. Okay, well that's yeah. You, you, I, th- I thought you might want to shake that off sometime. It's <laughs> funny, just sort of stuck to you, I guess. It's just uh, there aren't many people left because that's seriously. I'm talking. This is from the early '80s. There are not many people left in my life. Uh, well, I don't mean left as in they've passed away. I mean, how many people are still in your life that you hung around with uh, 35 years ago? So there aren't many people left who still call me Neg, but there there are a few out there who who. Uh, who are friends of mine to this day, who still I'm, I'm neg to them and always will be. And it was funny when I was that age, I had buddies, girlfriends who didn't know my real name. I had friends, mothers who didn't know my real name. I was just neg. Wow. Yeah. There you go. I got, I got Warnsey scrap iron, uh, mayor of Barhaven. <laughs> That's good though. And I'm in Manatic now, so I can't be mayor yeah. of Barhaven. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have given it up. I should have just uh, continued <laughs> ruling from afar. But yeah. I'm in Manatic now. I went for a little while with mayor of Manatic and then I got laid off and then I, I, then I just noticed. So you got uh, Wally and Mathot, which is a great new uh, hockey podcast uh, that's uh, emanating here in the city. And, and all of a sudden Mark Mathot, I guess, recently moved to Manatic and he's actually calling himself the mayor of Manatic. And I'm oh. like, Oh, it's go time. It's go. Oh. time. I look forward to seeing that one then, Steve. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, let's change gears, talk a little bit about the Sens news of the week, and probably the biggest news is that, uh, well, North Dakota eliminated in the Frozen Four in five overtimes. Holy cow. Uh, Very disappointing for that North Dakota group, which ended up with a lot of guys coming back to school exclusively to try and win it all, and unfortunately, they're disappointed. But that means the four guys at North Dakota, they had to figure out what they were going to do moving forward. We knew Tyler Clevin was almost certainly going to go back to school. The other three, kind of up in the air. We didn't know for sure what would happen. You had Shane Pinto, you had Jacob Bernard Docker, and you had Jake Sanderson. And Bernard Docker has been there for three years at North Dakota, Pinto for two, and Sanderson and Clevin with one apiece. And I don't think it was too unpredictable, Greg. I mean, Bernard Docker and Pinto... You'd have to think with the awards they won, with the way they played this year, with the length of time they've been in school, the fact that they both decided to sign their three-year entry-level contracts with the Sens, that can't be regarded as a particularly large surprise. No, I think we expected that uh, both of them were probably going to come out. Uh, Bernard Docker probably more so than Pinto, but you had a, a season like Shane Pinto had um, it led the nation. It was over 60% on face-offs. Was it not? This kid's ready to step in and play. Um, he'll, he'll play center too and, and be a, be a nice addition in, in face-offs for this team. And for JBD, it was like, really, should he, does he really need to go back? Uh, other than to maybe win a national title, I'm not sure of any reason for him to go back this year. 
Uh, I look forward to seeing both of them. I guess probably not till next week, early next week, they're going to be in the lineup. Yeah, quarantine stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure they'll both. I don't know if you want to play both of them on the same night, but uh, hey, I, I look forward to seeing them. I, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Pinto, and uh, we've been waiting long enough for JBD. It's time to see the kid play. I wonder if you have your druthers right out of the gate. Obviously, long term, I think the hope is that he can be good enough to start and be a true pairing for Thomas Shabbat. I mean, Shabbat doesn't really have a defensive partner. It's defensive partner by committee because he plays so much and and so many guys roll through. So I think the hope is that long-term Bernard Docker can be that guy and match Thomas Shabbat minute for minute. But uh, in the meantime, right out of the gate, what's your ideal situation for Bernard Docker? Like is, is there a, is, is there a good pairing? Is there, you know, how how would you handle him in the in that first game? That's tough, eh? Because because really, um, you don't want to play him with um, with Shabbat right away. I I can't see them wanting to do that. Um, so that leaves you with uh, left shot D. That leaves you with Riley or Coburn. You know, it's a shame that uh, that Good Branson is in a left side because that would probably work really well. Um, but that that kind of put him with a put him with a stalwart a defensive shutdown guy and, and, and let him kind of feel his oats and, and work his way into the lineup. Yeah. I'm, I'm keen to see how he fares and uh, how NHL ready these guys are. Um, Were you surprised at all that both are reporting directly to Ottawa and not heading for Belleville for at least a game or two? Because I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got, you're playing men in the NCAA, but they're very young men. We're talking, you know, they, these guys have, been amateurs and they've not taken on like fully developed men before I, I might have said okay let's start it out in Belleville get your feet wet and we'll have you right back here within the week yeah I, I guess it depends on schedule too right like if if they come in and it's a, a, a when the time that they've cleared and they're ready to play what kind of schedule do the senators have versus what kind of schedule Belleville has um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind that idea of uh, if, if Belleville's got a two and three weekend that maybe they start there. But you, you never know, Steve. It might have been part of the, the negotiations in the contract that, you know, yeah, okay, we'll play some games in Belleville, but we start in Ottawa. Or we don't intend to play in Belleville at all this year. Or you, you never really know what kind of uh, what kind of things went into the negotiations for their contracts. Yeah, no question. They could always – they still have a hammer. They're not seniors. Uh, they could just say, well, we're not going to sign them. We're going to go back to try and win a championship. So if they wanted to play hardball, they can do that if they want. And uh, and you see it all the time uh, when you're dealing with these free agent NCAA players who've got options. And I'm sure guys like Stefan DaCosta, for example, uh, other guys that Sens have signed as free agents, those guys have come right to the NHL, not because they're ready or anything, but I think because they were promised that. I want to get in the NHL straight away. Uh, Max Verano, yeah, uh, same deal. He got right into the NHL, right out of uh, college, and I don't think he's come close to getting back to the NHL since he was traded away to the Leafs organization. In fact, as I now glance at his resume, he's now over in Sweden playing pro hockey there. So it's just all whatever your agent slash advisor negotiates for you when the time comes at whatever level it is you're going into. Yeah, I would bet that's what happened here with both Bernard Docker and Pinto. It's like, yeah, we'll uh, we'll sign up here, but you got to guarantee us 
Because, you know, there's yep. a chance there's a chance we could go back to North Dakota. I don't think they played hardball or anything, but I think that uh, – and, and why not? At this stage of the game, the uh, Sens are well out of the playoffs. Why not uh, give them a shot? And Yeah, okay, uh, but who do you think he's going to play with, JBD? Who do you think his partner will be? I, I, I'm, I've got to say Riley because he's a left-shot guy. It's, I don't think it's going to be Colburn. Um, maybe because that means taking good Branson out of the lineup. Is it Riley that he plays with? And then who comes out? It's a, it's a tough decision. And that's why as tough as it is, it, it, it's why my instinct would be to start him in Belleville because yeah. I, don't fe- I don't feel like there's anybody that's ideal for Bernard Docker at this stage. I probably would go with Thomas Shabbat, especially the Thomas Shabbat that's going to play 24 minutes a night. Sure. Um, I think that uh, he can potentially, with his speed, uh, erase any rookie mistakes that might come along if I had to. That's, that would be my best guess at this stage of the game, but none of it feels particularly ideal. The one guy, though, that I think a lot of people believe will be the best of the four out of North Dakota, and that's Jake Sanderson, who is the number five overall selection, two picks after uh, Tim Stutzla in last year's draft. And Sanderson is opted to go back to school. and. Man, did he look good in that five-overtime game. I don't know if you saw it. But he was just – everybody else was starting to drag their ass. (laughs) Looked like they had pianos on their backs in some cases. Sanderson was just limitless as far as his energy went. That was fantastic to see and almost won the game. Hit the post in one of the late overtimes. And uh, so I thought a fun question would be, given that uh, you and I are both old enough to be Sanderson's dad, if he he were your son – what would you have told him to do? Would you have told him to stay in school or report to the Ottawa Senators? Because it sure sounds like both options were 50-50 on the table. And it sure sounds like it was a family decision. And uh, thank God we're not his father. His father, of course, is Jeff Sanderson, a former NHL goal scorer in his day. Um, I, I, I would have said, yeah, go back to school. Uh, it just There's not much... For him, there was a really good article on The Athletic uh, this week or last week by uh, Ian Mendez comparing the stats of guys who come out, defensemen who've come out early versus defensemen who waited another year. And it really looks like it's the right decision that was made to go back for that second year. I I, would have told my kid to stay there for another year. What about you? It's not just a case of are you ready? It's are the Ottawa Senators ready to be a great place to develop. I don't think next year is, is is shaping up to be a dazzler either. And I'm still not sold on, with all due respect, I'm still not sold on the development of the blue liners. I, I had my worries about it under the Guy Boucher era. Didn't feel like there were really any uh, any sort of defensive ringers in that coaching staff. And I, and I know DJ Smith played the position for sure. I just feel like, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure where we're at right now with the Ottawa Senators and the way they're developing defensemen. And so I want to make sure that I've got some mentors there, some people that can insulate my son. Yes, I've adopted him. It's true. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I would go back now and I might even go back next year. Yeah, that's interesting. Waiting another year. Wow. Uh, yeah, I agree with you that the this, the current situation of the Ottawa Senators roster and the Belleville roster would definitely fact into the factor into the decision making process for the family. Um, and yeah, they, they, 
you go back. You, you, you're 18 years old. There's no reason to be rushing it coming up here now. It's playing defense. Come on. It's just, it's not necessary. And Bernard Docker just did it. I mean, he did three years there, so it's not, uh, yeah, it's not, true. It's not, it's not heresy to bring up the idea. Um, anyway, we'll see how it all plays out and we're looking forward to seeing, um, I don't know if they'll have played by the time we do our next episode, but, uh, certainly, um, more what? good young prospects for Sens fans to be excited about. And now wearing the, uh, the black and white of the Ottawa senators. Yeah. And the la- here I found, uh, Ian, Ian's story there that he was comparing, uh, four defensemen in the post lockout era who signed their entry-level contracts after just one year. Eric Johnson, you remember him? Number one overall pick? Yep. Nick Letty, Mm -hmm. uh, Jacob Truba, and Noah Hannafin. So Mm -hmm. one and done. None of these were ever finalists for the Calder. Uh, Only player on this list to receive a vote for the Norris at any point during their entire career was Letty, who finished 16th one year. Uh, And they were all traded fairly quickly after starting their pro careers. Cool. And if you look at the sophomores, Jack jo- Jack Johnson, uh, Zach Warensky, uh, some guy named Kale McCarr, I think that's how you say that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this other guy named Quinn Hughes. Right. So they, they all went back and came out the next year. So three of them were finalists for the Calder. Uh, those same three received Norris votes in 2020. Uh, I, I, I think just based on... It's just based on that little bit of information, going back for your sophomore season is probably not a bad idea. 100% not going to hurt them, that's for sure. Although it would have been interesting, you know, in a parallel universe to see how ready, how NHL-ready Jake Sanderson might have been for the coming year. You're always curious about those things. And as long as we're giving out uh, uh, plugs for uh, for, uh, for columns and stuff online, uh, SendsNationHockey.com has some great columns as well. Pat McGuire, Kyle Skinner, a couple of our writers did uh, some really good stories this past week on the uh, the North Dakota situations. Uh, well, they're a little dated now because obviously decisions have been made, but they're good reads all the same. And uh, as far as prospects go, TSN's Craig Button came out this week with his top five prospects for the Ottawa Senators. It was all part of a top 75. And we're not going to go through all 75 right now because oh, uh, people darn. completely fall asleep. But the, <laughs> the five Senator prospects in order are Jake Sanderson, He's number one for the Sens, seventh in the NHL. Eric Branstrom is number two, 19th in the NHL. Jacob Bernard Docker at 44 in the NHL is next. Then it's Shane Pinto, who is 61st. And Philip Gustafson, not in the top 75. He is their fifth best prospect. Any uh, reaction to any of those decisions? Well, I think that uh, I find Branstrom, there's a part of me that thinks that's high to have him as the 19th best prospect in the NHL. And then there's a part of me that thinks that Bernard Docker is low at 44. And then I want to say Shane Pinto is low at 61. But, you know, I, I obviously don't see uh, these these players as much as uh, as uh, Craig Button or any of these other scouts do. So so who knows? I, I do know that Branstrom is now dropped because uh, last year Button had Branstrom as their number one prospect um and and sanderson has now supplanted him there and by quite a margin actually yeah yeah and you've got uh I, that was the first thing that jumped out at me as well uh i like the order i like uh sanderson 
but uh, I probably have Pinto at number two, followed by Bernard Docker and Philip Gustafson and Brandstrom for me of those guys would be number five. Yeah. Yeah. But, and not only is he number two on the Senator list from Craig Button, but he's 19th in the entire league. That's, that's high. Don't you think? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't, uh, I still hold out hope. I still don't dismiss the player, but I've seen enough where I go, Ooh, small. You can be small in the league, but you better be blazing fast. Um, he's, not the most fleet of foot for a guy his size. You almost always see, wow, is he fast if he's a small player? I just don't think you can be mediocre speed-wise and be that small in the NHL. I would agree with you totally, Steve. I just, I, I don't know, uh, just, I just, is it going to happen or not uh, for the kid's sake and for the sake of Pierre Dorian and the, uh, and the trade history for Mark Stone, I, I sincerely hope that the kid... Uh, the kid turns out, I'm just quite worried about how it's all going to turn out for him. Wasn't that long ago, Christian Willanen was seen as a tremendous defensive prospect for the Sens, and now he's not in the organization. We talked in our last episode about how he was placed on waivers and cleared through the league, wondering what might happen next. And he was, sure enough, traded away to the LA Kings for a forward by the name of Michael Amadio. And uh, what were your thoughts on Will Lannon ending up a king? Yeah, I just we we've talked about him all year, haven't we? And 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 have they given up on him too fast, uh, too soon? I guess is the better word for it, because his actual games played is nothing compared to his his age and his his quote unquote seasons because of injury. Um, I, I just they're 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 better not have turned out to be more there. He better not turn out to be a, you know, a top pairing or a, or a top four guy somewhere else because that won't look good long term for the Saints. No, and uh, he'll start. I, I think they've got him targeted to start with the Ontario Reign in the American Hockey League, but I do think that's an NHL player. I don't know if he'll be a star NHL player, but I do think he'll get back to the league once he has a different situation where he maybe gets uh, the trust of the coach. Uh, or the general manager, and uh, and off he goes. And it, it's kind of odd, and people might wonder, well, why did he clear waivers? Somebody could have had him absolutely for free like a few days earlier. He cleared waivers through the entire league. Why didn't L.A. put a claim in on him? Well, this is one of those things that happens sometimes. By putting him on waivers, L.A.'s now, okay, Ottawa wants to get rid of him, and uh, we, we want to move this Amadio guy, so we'll take Willannon, and uh, hope that he turns into something and they can take Amadio, who we've kind of turned the page on. Uh, so that may be kind of the way the whole thing went down. Oh, yeah. We we talked about that when he went on waivers. One of the times that he went on waivers, you put a player on waivers, you're, st- you're going to get phone calls, um, not necessarily from a team saying, hey, we're claiming him, but from a team saying, hey, if he clears and you want to talk trade, we're listening. You know, and, and, and things get set up and then he clears waivers and then you call one of those guys and you maybe you can leverage one against the other and and find somebody as a depth player in your for Belleville and that's probably exactly what uh, Amadio is going to be right okay let's close it out today with a, something a little more positive and that's uh, Igor Sokolov tremendous Quebec junior scorer and uh, Sokolov with a hat trick in a Belleville victory and certainly an, a a nice looking player um for i sure. think he's got so much size he's not the most fleet of foot but 
as the way Brady Kachuk is scoring goals tonight, that that crammer that he put uh, put in today against Montreal to open the scoring looks like Sokolov is going to be the same kind of player, uh, scoring goals with a quick release, getting himself in good positions. He's not going to you know walk anybody. He's not that fast, but and he's he's a load. He's hard to move, and uh, he's got a nose for the net. Yeah, and, and how ironic that we we bring him up right after we talk about Balsers not being here anymore. Well, here's a guy who probably helped push Rudolph's Balsers out of town. This is a kid. He's he's twenty. Yeah, uh, as you said, he's big. He's like six four, two forty at least. Is he not? Um, but a goal scorer like this kid scored goals in the in the queue. He scored goals anywhere he's been. Um, so he's a guy who's you got to give him a roster spot in Belleville. You want him to play. So do we really need tweeners like a Balsers hanging around uh, and, and taking a spot once in a while down there, coming up here? What do we do? Well, you put that kid down there and you let him play every night and you get rewarded with some good play like today. Yep. No, the, you're, you're right. I mean, uh, there is frustration on the Balsers and will land in front because I, th- I think they can still emerge as good players. But this is a team that just ha- you can't develop everybody. There's just too many bodies this is yeah. the thing about a full rebuild when you give away so many guys and you bring in all these draft picks. Those draft picks turn into players and you have to find a home for them at some point. And it's not just a guy like Sokolov who will be here soon, but uh, you know, Formanton has uh, arrived since then. Shane Pinto is coming. So you know, decisions get made, I think, on Milanin and Balsers in that, yes, they may emerge as good players, but uh, you know, we have to make room here. We don't have time to uh, wait around much longer for these guys. They don't look to us like they're going to be superstars. We're going to bring in guys who still have the potential to be that. Well, yeah, it's about projections, right? It's okay. What's our lineup going to be in two years or three years? Who's going to be there? Will Pinto be there versus Balsers? Will Sokolov be there? Will uh, Formanton and all these guys, you're projecting two and three years down the road. And how many times have we talked about Fisher cut bait? Um, like it's, it's unfortunate, but it's, it happens, you know, it happens every day in, in sports where, sorry, kid, there's somebody we think is going to be better than you or already is better than you. And, and we've got to let you go. Um, the only thing that hurts is if the guy turns out and and turns into a star or turns out to be something better than the guy they kept instead, that's, that's where, where you run into problems and that can't be discussed until you know two years from now or three years from now when when everything's fleshed out in the end well we have reached the end of another edition of the sends nation podcast and uh, a couple of things i want to mention as we head out the door uh, we've got our great website sendsnationhockey.com there are all kinds of uh, great sends features there uh, full link to all the podcasts link to the facebook group that we've got going right now which is now 300 people strong if you want to be Part of Sens Nation. Uh, check that out. We've got our Patreon page. If you want to be a member, you can go there. So lots of reasons to check out Sens Nation hockey. I want to check out some Ice Dogs hockey before long. I'm hoping <laughs> that they stream those because it sounds like despite what we're dealing with here and in many other parts of the country, it sounds like the uh, Slave Lake Ice Dogs and the league you're in sounds like you're going to get going later this week. Yeah, we, we will uh, full ice uh, practices commencing uh, Tuesday after the long weekend, and we will play a game uh, Friday night. We'll play Friday, Saturday night this next weekend. So we're, we're looking forward to it. And yes, at gmhl.tv, you can, you can find your Ice Dogs games there. Excellent. So you've been looking for, I know all the good listeners, they have been looking 
what team in that league am I going to follow? I need a reason to follow somebody. Uh, and now they have a reason to follow uh, the coach and uh, and uh, a little Sens Nation karma going on yeah. out there as well. So we'll call it quits right there. Great, great job as always. And we'll talk to you again in our next episode. Sounds good. Thanks, Steve. Have a good night, everyone.